Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry. Hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. Each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 56, we sit down with Keith Dickerson from Black and Beach. Was really looking forward to this conversation when we booked it and Keith did not disappoint. We discuss how he got started in the energy industry and how he's really making an impact on the electric vehicle landscape in his role today. Now, as usual, the good stuff is found at the end when Keith talks about the advice that he'd give to his 22 year old self. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider hitting that download button and downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So if you're one of those people out there streaming, I urge you to consider downloading instead. And if you're enjoying this episode or if you do enjoy this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now, we think you're really going to enjoy this conversation between Keith and I. So let's drop in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today we're sitting down with Keith Dickerson, who is the Director of Transformative Technologies with Black & Beach. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. I'm, I'm excited. I, I do a lot of uh, listening to podcasts. But this is the first one that I've participated in, so looking forward. Yeah, well, I think um, this is probably the one that you listen to just constantly, though, right? <laughs> no, no other podcast make it on your playlist except for ours, so that's... Uh, that's really, really humbling. Now, I guess before we get into what you're doing here at Black and Beach, let's take a step back for a second. Let's bring our audience members, our listeners up to speed. Tell us about where you grew up. Tell us about your background and then kind of how you got started in the industry here. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a product of the Midwest. I grew up in central Illinois. I grew up in a town called mostly in Decatur, Illinois. And, and it, it was it was a a good place to grow up, you know, very Midwestern, kind of a little bit of everything was a lifeguard, a boy scout, you know, all those, all those, those things that brought a, uh, a good upbringing, you know, I, I enjoyed growing up, but I felt as though I wanted to get out of Dodge in, in the early eighties. So I actually joined the Coast Guard and uh, was a search and rescue air crewman in the uh, in the coast guard for about four years uh, wow. stationed mostly in clearwater florida um but i also at least back in those days they didn't have the swimmer program so you know you took on a what was called a rate so my rate was aviation electrician that's really how i got started to say in in technology but was afforded a, a lot of great opportunities to do search and rescue and drug patrols uh, the Grenada Rescue Mission. That, I, I enjoyed that more than working on aircraft, but it was, you know, it was a nice way to start, kind of get that uh, search and rescue bug out of my system. Um, from there, I went to, to a technical school in New Orleans, and over the course of the last 30 years, I've progressed. I, I, I think it's kind of been a collection of, of um, moments, you know, whether I was a electronics technician, I also worked as a design engineer in the building automation world. That's kind of how I got started in this industry. This was back with a, a small 
rep firm in Richmond, Virginia, was, was fortunate enough to be picked up by, by Siemens, uh, spent about 10 years there in a variety of engineering and operations management roles, came to Atlanta and was able to, to go, come on board with Schneider Electric back in the, you know, on the square D side of the business in a sales engineer role grew into strategic account roles to include federal and smart cities. Um, and now I've been at Black & Beach for just about two years. And it's really, it's really been a dream job for me. I've always had a lot of respect for, for Black & Beach. So be able to, to be a, you know, a player with a firm like that in a very transformational industry, which I primarily focused on business development and sales of zero emission infrastructure projects. So for those of you that you know, may know Black & Veatch from what we do on a federal side or a telecommunications on a power side, we actually have one of the more robust past performances in electric vehicle infrastructure. So the Tesla super network, we've done large portions of the full you know, engineering procurement construction, Electrify America, uh, major programs with uh, with fleets and transit agencies, and as we all know, just by you know, if nothing else, watching television, that uh, hunger for zero emission infrastructure or zero emission vehicles and the associated infrastructure is huge. Whether you're bringing in the charging stations, the battery energy storage, the solar, I mean, that's that's the trend of this industry. So it's a real exciting time, and um, fortunately, we're we're purposefully busy right now. Yeah, it's it sounds like it. All right, so a lot to a uh, lot to unpack there. I, I guess uh, I want to go back to your background in the Coast Guard for a second. So mm-hmm. safe to say, you're pretty safe. You're pretty comfortable in the water, huh? Did that stick with you for a lifetime? I would oh, imagine yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I don't do it anymore, but I tell people that I'm a recovering triathlete, and oh. and, and, and it's funny because people people automatically assume that um, because you were in the Coast Guard. Uh, you're you're a, a great sailor, and uh, my my wife will will tell you that I'm not. I'm, I'm a ter- terrible sailor, <laughs> but um, yeah, and that was a, that was a big part of the Coast Guard. I mean, yeah. being able to swim, and certainly you know you, you look at the kind of get in the weeds here, but the swimmers that do that on a day to day basis, it's 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 a lot about it's a lot about fitness. It's uh, a lot about spatial relationships, which is kind of interesting. You imagine you're in the water, you have to be comfortable in the water. You have to understand what, what the situation is, where the aircraft is above you. And I've, I've you know, jumped out of helicopters into the water and it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's sobering. So being comfortable in the water is critically important um, in, the, in those situations. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was cool. I didn't. Uh, I know you and I have known each other for for a little while now, and I didn't know that part of your background. So that's uh, that's yeah. pretty neat. All right, so so you touched on Black and Veatch and you know, a huge company. There's a lot of different services that the company offers, but you, you specifically touched on so your role, transformative technologies, specifically within EV. And it seems like just over. And you mentioned you've been there for a couple of years. Just really over the last year or two, it seems like I can't have a conversation without EV charging coming up in some capacity. So when you landed in this role, was it really focused on EV or how much of it was, you know, I'll bring in your title here, transformative technologies. And, and where did EV really kind of like start really gaining some momentum for you? I mean, so we started the Tesla program back in 2012 when they were just realizing that their go-to-market 
approach was going to have infrastructure have that solved for essentially by, by virtue of putting in the super network. And, and you bring up a really good point because sometimes, you know, when I was doing smart cities, people would say, well, what's smart cities? Well, it, it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. So, so while, you know, most of what we do in transformative technology at Black at Black and Beach is centered around electric vehicle charging infrastructure. We also, you know, done some projects in, in hydrogen dispensing as well. It's it's you know, we're we're always open to something. If something is new, like we've done we've done, you know, battery energy storage projects. We've done some some programs related to, to COVID responses responses having um you know infrastructures for testing and and for vaccine disbursement. But it's it's you know it's we we have been challenged by our our executive at several times like hey you're transformative technology you should be looking at these these forward these forward programs. But as as we as been evidenced particularly in the last year to your point. Almost everything that we do right now has a transportation um, bent around it. So it's you know you look at you look at the the car OEMs that are coming out with new vehicles. I mean, showcased by you know very prominent brands, uh, the Ford F one fifty. You know their 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 new platform, the Lightning, their E Mustang. I mean, right. these are marquee Coca Cola brand kind of automotive platforms that are that are going electric. So it's it is transformational that that you know most OEMs have, have have announced their electrification plans. There's new businesses, new startups that are getting heavily funded. There, there's new OEMs that are coming on board. It, it's really what we're what I'm seeing is it really an inflection point that has meaning. I don't I don't think smart cities ever really did. They may do at some point in time, but but this is real. This is you know this is major internationals. That are putting major capital in the in, into it. The finance community is looking at financing these projects. You know, um, infrastructure as a service is something that we're saying. What what infrastructure as a service is, if a uh, fleet uh, wants to electrify, but they may not necessarily have the capital funds to pay for the infrastructure piece of it. There's financing mechanisms out there that it. Instead of a capital expense, because it becomes an operating expense with no upfront capital costs. And to take it even further, what you're seeing is transportation as a service. So you take that infrastructure, add the vehicles to it. So then again, it becomes an operating expense. And it's something that allows particularly public agencies or entities that are, are you know, struggling for cash right now, it provides them a path to zero emission vehicles, both the infrastructure and the transportation. Yeah, it's pretty progressive. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad that we scheduled this because as you and I spoke before we were recording here, uh, when I invited you on the podcast, I've, I've been really looking to get somebody on the podcast who has some expertise in EV charging. And you know, the question that I had here I promise. I know you're not the uh, the sole representative for EV charging, but I, I was always curious from from a high level, from like a macro trend, right? We still have to have that that natural resource that we're going to rely on for these batteries. So, how much of that comes up in some of your conversation? I'm sure you're communicating with customers. 
I mean, how much of like the international relationships do we need to fortify to make sure that we have strong relationships with lithium countries that are going to be able to provide that natural resource for you? I don't know. Does that, does that question make sense? Yeah, it, it does, because it really it really transcends the, the entire um, you know, supply chain, not only our sources of lithium or whatever you know, type of raw material or commodities is, is important to have that conversation. It's also what's what's going to happen to to those batteries. What's the second life plan? Right. I mean, there's 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 there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of buzz about taking those batteries that are no longer useful to be in a vehicle and and basically bundling them together to provide battery energy storage for you know community solar or resiliency or you know CNI applications i think that's that's incredibly important i also think another element that you're not an element to to to, to but another aspect is the chip shortage i mean that that's a big piece of it because that affects just even you know normal internal combustion engine vehicles, let alone the zero emission or vehicles, whether it's hydrogen or or electric, because those are you know those are heavily um, control centric. But, but you know the, the the chips affect the the charging stations. The chips affect. The smart switch gear. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a circular kind of thing, and right. I think you know we're we're seeing in that inflection, that hockey stick of adoption, but the it's still I think there's still a ways to go in this in this hopefully soon to be post pandemic world where supply chain is going to have to keep up the demand because all these major corporations, these fleets, have aggressive decarbonization goals. And, and transportation is a big piece of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so I know we've, we've been dancing around the topic here, but uh, one of the questions that I always ask is you know, kind of the forward-looking vision of where you see the future of the industry heading. So we've been hinting at it throughout our conversation here, but you know, Keith, where do you see the future of, call it EV charging, call it the energy efficiency or transformative, whatever it is, uh-huh. you know, what's your viewpoint on that? The next five, 10, 15 years, where do you see the industry heading? Well, I think the, the the big the big thing that needs to happen to get over the cliff, so to speak, is is widespread adoption by by fleets. That's the big piece of it. The other piece of it is how utilities are going to play in it. I mean, obviously, you know, they own and operate the grid. Regardless of what utility you're talking about, whether it's a co-op or a, or a investor-owned utility, you know how how are the utilities going to participate in this it is incredibly important because if the power is not there, the utility is going to have to add capacity somehow, and that, and that always becomes the the long tent in the pole. We say. When it comes to to, to large scale, you know, fleet adoption is is the power available there. If not, then a lot of clients are getting pretty well versed on the use of distributed energy resources, whether it's you know whether the microgrid includes solar or storage or you know alternative sources of of generation. And again, that getting back to that as a service is is I think that's 
that's the the future of those things is is figuring out the utility play, um, and also how if power is not available, what's going to be the solve for? You know, that's that's how I see it. Right, right. No, it's uh, that makes sense. Well, Keith, I think it's good stuff. What I wanted to do was transition to the last part of the show here and ask you the same four questions that I ask every guest who comes uh-huh. on. And wanted to lead off here and ask you what what are your daily non-negotiables? Okay, um, again, I'm I'm channeling my wife here. She gives me gives me a grief, so to speak, about my to do list. But I, okay. I have to have a prioritized to do list, particularly if things are getting busy and I'm getting a little gray, a little fuzzy about what to do. It's like okay, get everything uh, on a piece of paper, or I have been trying to do electronic, getting better at it. But make sure, okay, what's the most imp- important or impactful thing that I need to do? And just, just go down the list and number the items. The other piece of it is, um, and this sometimes is the chagrin of people within my organization, but I always focus on customer things first. If there's an important internal deadline, you know, so be it. But I'm always going to focus on what is impactful to my customer first. Those, that's, that's, that's the, those are the two things that I really don't, don't waver on. Perfect. All right. So let's rewind the clock. 22-year-old Keith, you're probably coming out of the Coast Guard at this point, yeah, 22? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. what's going through your head? What, what advice would you give yourself then? I would have finished my formal education. And what I mean by that is through my bachelor's degree a, a lot sooner. Um, I, was, I was fortunate, uh, met. Um, my wife, we've, we've been married 36 years, right about the time I was getting out. And I was planning to go to, you know, to a four-year university and finish out there. I opted for the two-year degree. What I should have done is maybe done that in incremental steps, get the two-year degree, work, and continue more directly to get my, to get my bachelor's degree. Uh, I kind of joke. I, I tell people I was on the 19-year plan. Um, basically, it was from when I grew, when I graduated high school to when I eventually got my bachelor's degree. You know, it took 19 years, but it was it was a good experience. You know, I paid minimal on my my college education via company paid benefits and VA benefits. I paid minimal for that, but I re- would have completed it sooner because that did provide some impediments, particularly as I wanted to get into sales. Um, the yeah. other one element that I think I would have told myself is, is be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's something that I, that I learned in the smart city gig is, you know, you're not, you're not going to know all the answers, just be willing to be professional and open to folks. And, um, it, it served me well, particularly in, in, in jobs like, like now, I mean, with the black and beach there, there's so much nascent stuff going on, whether it's business models or technologies or, all these types of things. So you have to, you know, from my opinion, you have to be able to embrace that, particularly in the new industry. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Kind of, kind of a, kind of an e- egocentric thing, but, but I, I really get a charge out of when customers tell me that, that we're doing a good job. I mean, one of the things that I, when I was, when I was, when I was a technical person, it was, you know, satisfaction at the end of the day was similar as well, but you, you know, but you know, you fix something or you design something or you built something and there's a tangible thing in sales. It's, you, you have to 
find, I mean, the, the, obviously, if you, you get a nice compensation or something like that, that's helpful. That's certainly a motivation. But, you know, you have to at some point you say, I like what part of the day to day do I like? Well, I like, you know, I like selling or like making presentations. But ultimately, what I found putting all those things together and the satisfaction that I got and what motivated me was was clients telling me that we've done a good job and everything else flows down from that, you know, whether it's compensation or career or career growth or what have you. But that's that's a good benchmark and um, getting to that place with with my project right now where I'm having customers tell me we're doing a good job. So I'm, I'm definitely motivating to having a whole lot of fun right now. Last question here. What do you want your lasting legacy to be? Pretty simple. Uh, I, I, I was a good guy and a hard worker. You know, when, some, when somebody tells me I'm a good guy or I'm I, I just like, okay, I, I know that's kind of a simple, basic thing to say, but it really makes me feel good. And then, you know, chan- channeling my, my, my German mother and grandmother and grandfather being a hard worker, like when, uh, when I know I've done my best and gone above and beyond. It's a lot of power and simplicity. I think we yep. all have a tendency to overcomplicate our lives and make them more complex than they need to be. So I think that's great. Uh, that's great advice. Great way to close out the show here. So Keith, thanks for coming on the Building Efficiency Podcast. My pleasure. Take care. All right. All right, there you have it. Episode 56 with Keith Dickerson. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. We hope you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.